Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. Our guest today is Stacy Brookman. Stacy, thank you for joining me. Hey, Michelle. I'm so glad to be here. I am excited to share what you do because I think a lot of my audience is really going to connect with your story and what you do as far as work with clients. So you are a resilience and life storytelling expert. You yes. produce the Real Life Resilience podcast, and you help smart outwardly confident women who secretly have low self-esteem issues due to emotionally abusive partners and experiences take back that control and begin to develop the resilience to be themselves again. And I think a lot of people who heard me share that probably are thinking either they or someone they know fits that description. So let's kind of just start with, well, what is a life storytelling expert, and how did you get into this? Yeah, well, I help people discover and tell their life stories. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do it is because there is a large body of research and knowledge around writing in order to recover from traumatic events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my traumatic event happened mm-hmm. to be marriage and divorce to a sociopath. And then, uh, you know, I can tell that story, but, uh, you know, it could be your dog dying. It could be um, uh, someone, you or a loved one getting cancer. It could be the death of a friend. Uh, You know, everyone's trauma is different. Mm -hmm. So when you are under trauma or when you experience trauma, those memories are stored in a different part of your brain than regular memories. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they at once hide from you. So you, you kind of dismiss them or everything's fine, I'm fine. And at the same time, they can come back very sharply. Like they don't fade like normal memories, right? Okay. So when you have to write out your stories, when you have to discover your stories, I help people discover them first and then write them out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes those memories, those very sharp memories that come back to haunt you and harm you time and time again, and it puts them in the normal part of the brain where huh. they can fade like regular memories. They lose their power when you dig into your story. And so I, that's why I do it. Um, when I was married to a sociopath, it was I thought it was a quirky marriage at first, mm-hmm. and then it soon became very difficult marriage. And wow. then it, uh, traumatic. It was um, marriage to a sociopath is yeah, narcissist, sociopath, borderline, all of those types of things. Mm-hmm. It's so subtle at first. You mm-hmm. get into it and you, you think, oh, it's just a little different or I can get through this. And I thought mm-hmm. my strength, I was like, I'm going to stay in this for the girls. Yeah. My, I had two little girls. I'm going to stay in this for them and I'm going to be strong. And I'm the strong person, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, come to find out that strength was really fear. It was fear of <sighs> leaving and getting a better life, fear that I couldn't have a better life outside of this was my role in life. I was mm. strong. I stayed inside this um, very difficult marriage. And come to find out when I was in the middle of this divorce, um, you know, I, I discovered it wasn't just a difficult marriage. It was an abusive marriage. Very abusive. It was sexually, emotionally, psychologically abusive. And when you're in there, you don't really realize it. The moment came when 
You know, it was tough, of course, just a just tough marriage. I was just trying to get through the day. I was paying bills, and my youngest daughter um, came in, and she wanted to get on the computer. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a desktop computer. And so I, you know, got through the password for her, and my husband's email was up. And it was, um, a, a, a email was confirming an ad, and the ad was advertising himself as a sex partner for couples. And I decided that's it. I'm done. This is, I, I cannot be strong anymore. And what I realized was that was the strongest decision I could ever have made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from there it got much worse because divorcing a sociopath is worse than, you know, living with a sociopath until you get past it. So I want to give people hope if you are in a tough relationship, there is hope. So, um, I, you know, the, the divorce was long, but in the middle of that, you know, I had been through chronic stress. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's the divorce, there's the, the damaging things like he cut the wires on the heaters in my house and called Child Protective Services to say I wasn't providing heat for the girls. Um, he planted wow. a bug in my car, a, a listening device in my car. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we were trying to sell our house, of course, and filled every, all three toilets with feces up to the top and cut wow. all the wall sconces. I mean, just every time I turned around, he, he put... Um, sleeping pills in my nightly tea and I was so tired the next day I almost ran off the road so every time every week there was something and so when you're under that sort of stress your brain is in a fog you're just trying to get through the day but what happened was I'm like I need an outlet I need something that's not divorce not Mm -hmm. trying to keep my job caring for the kid like doing everything I just need some sort of outlet so I Mm -hmm. took a memoir class and because I always kind of like to write, but I would write these crazy stories of what's happened to me, bring wow. them in, and we all, you know, everybody kind of told what their stories were that week. And they love my stories so much, they gave me a scholarship to come back the next semester. Oh. But what I discovered naturally doing that was it. Be, I became very clear on what had happened, mm-hmm. what my life theme was to date, and that was I never raised my hand. I didn't say, that's not right. From kindergarten, grade school, high school on, I didn't say, don't do that. That's not mm. right. My, my voice wasn't heard. I didn't yeah. speak up because I felt it wasn't my place or I was taught yeah. from an early age not to speak up. So writing, wow. everybody who writes their life stories tells me clarity mm. is amazing. When you you as human beings, we have a huge capacity for pulling the wool over our own eyes. Mm. And when you start writing, you have to find the words for what's going on in your head and find the words for what's happened to you. And you get them down on paper or your computer. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing transformation. You can really transform your life through that. So that's what I do. That's why I do it. So let's rewind for a minute. When you first started taking that class, what was it that gave you the the courage or the bravery to actually write that down? Because I think that's one thing that stops a lot of us from being able to get past something, maybe not quite as traumatic as that, but whatever our, our challenges and, and things that we go through are, we don't want to or we're afraid to or for yeah. some reason we aren't, we just don't 
talk about them. We don't write about them. We don't acknowledge right. them out loud. So what, what was that part of the journey like for you? What, what actually gave you the strength to do that and start sharing it? That is a great question. I have not been asked that question yet in an interview, and that's really, really great And it, because it's important. You're so right. I did not write a journal for a long time because I was afraid everything that I would write would be negative, and someone would find it down the road and say, oh, that's an awful person. <laughs> Hmm. because that's what was on my mind was all bad stuff so I'm like I can't write a journal (sighs) but what we did in the class was uncover milestones and we Mm -hmm. took baby steps okay what are some milestones good and bad in your life Um, what are some desires and that's this is where I take people through a process of discovering their life stories Mm -hmm. and then pinpointing the one they need to write about and then Simply writing some of the facts. What Mm -hmm. did you see, smell, hear, taste, touch? And when you start doing that, you start remembering more. And then we craft it into a beautiful story, a beautiful story. And so even though people think it's an ugly story, it is only for you, especially Mm -hmm. this first draft. It is is really ugly. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct. It doesn't have to um, even have sentences. It could be just thoughts, a stream mm-hmm. of uh, a stream of conscious thought. Um, it, it is just getting that out of your head and onto paper. So it is meant to be ugly. It's okay, okay. to be ugly. You don't ever mm-hmm. have to share it. Nobody has to see it. You just have to get it out of your head to benefit yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mentioning the research. Uh, Dr. Pinnebaker, well, what was his first name? I can't remember. Dr. Pinnebaker from the University of Texas at Austin mm-hmm. did a lot of research. And uh, writing about your tough times, even though it's tough because you have to remember those details, yeah, it is tough. It can actually boost your immune system. Hmm. It, there, there's a physiological change in you when you start doing that. Like I became a lot calmer, and oh. I could go to court, and I could go, you know, ha- you know, transferring the kids and handle those things much, much better. Having written about some of the tough things that were happening, so yeah, yeah. you know, I think sometimes the more we process and we see that, like you said, with clarity, it does make it easier to get through related things, and it's so easy to feel ashamed of things that have happened or to feel like somebody's going to judge us that I know a lot of my clients we talk about things and things come up that are really affecting them in so many other areas of their life that they they aren't realizing how connected it is sometimes so what what's been your experience with that part of it as far as how not telling your story or not being willing to share that affects things. I know you mentioned self-esteem and some things are tied into that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought my life theme was I was a professional woman. I was mm-hmm. successful in business. And yet I never felt really comfortable in my skin. I never mm-hmm. felt really confident about who I was or what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that, we all play that, you know, stereo in the back of our head, you're not good enough, or you're not working hard enough, or mm-hmm. if you are only more loving, then your, yeah. your spouse would be kind to you, or only if I was more beautiful, or thinner, or whatever it is, and right. we all play that record, and it's a horrible record, it's that mean girl, Yeah, <laughs> in your yeah. head, 
that's telling you these bad things. And what you've got to do is is stop that um, because that affects what you do and how you operate in the world. In fact, Mm -hmm. most of our trauma, most of our shame comes from childhood. You can Mm -hmm. back if you really look at it. Um, you, you, it, someone embarrassed you in junior high or, um, you know, your father made fun of you or something like that. And then you made this agreement with yourself. I am never going to do blank Mm -hmm. again, or I am never going to write again, or I'm never going to, or I'm not pretty enough because Mm -hmm. my father does, you know, whatever. There's, there's lots of, I mean, gazillion reasons that you, you, but you take that and you're. 12-year-old mind and your 15-year-old mind or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you carry that commitment into adulthood. And so, obviously, I carried, I am not good enough, my voice is not, just shouldn't be heard, Mm. into adulthood. So, it was my 12-year-old self telling me in my 20s and 30s and even into my 40s, you're not good enough. Hmm. Don't, you know, don't make waves, don't speak out about these things Mm. and so that's how you get into these situations as adults but the beautiful thing is once you recognize that once you write about it and you recognize it and you Mm -hmm. address it you can change it Mm -hmm. i mean you can be you're making you're taking your past experiences Mm -hmm. to make your future self wiser and more resilient and that's a beautiful thing so for anybody listening who's who's either thinking, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't know what happened in my childhood, or maybe they do know what specific incidents happened, what advice would you give somebody to start processing that and working through it? Very good question. Well, the first thing is, if uh, I have a free webinar every month. Okay. It's called uh, the, the Four Simple Proven Methods to Writing the Very First Chapter of Your Life Story. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you that method to... Uh, writing down your milestones, writing down your desires you've had in your life, writing down Mm -hmm. um, conflicts that you've had in your life, and then finding um, something congruent between two Mm. or all three of those lists. Okay. When you you say milestones, um, what does that refer to in the context of a story? So I say um, start with I was born. Okay. And then think through your life from Mm. childhood on. What are some milestones? Uh, were you baptized as a child? Mm-hmm. Um, did your parents divorce? Um, was graduation particularly difficult for you from high school? Um, you got married, you had kids, whatever whatever those milestones are. Mm-hmm. Try to get like 15 to 20 because the more you have, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, what are those turning points? Um, ah, those significant okay. things that happened. Um, did you have a particularly bad breakup? Mm-hmm. And so we're just naming them. You don't have to write about them. We're just naming them. Put them in a bullet point list mm-hmm. and let it sit there for a while, a day or two. Put it out on the counter and keep adding to it because you're going to remember, oh, yeah. So when you think back to some of these things, it will trigger memories of, oh, yeah, that happened. Or, or oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that happened. my best friend moved away and mm-hmm. and I didn't have a, another friend that whole year or whatever that mm-hmm. those milestones are. Um, just keep writing because the more you have, the better your writing will be. The more okay. significant your writing will be. Okay. So the first step is identifying those different milestones, those memories that really stand out. Yeah. And then step Turn two. Point. And then step two is a list of desires you've had okay. in your life. So mm. I had the desire to be a doctor. 
Obviously, um, that didn't turn out. <laughs> I thought, you know, I was going to be a nurse, and then at some mm-hmm. point in your high, I thought, I don't have to be a nurse. I can be a doctor. And so then okay. I knew what I was going to be. Um, and then my senior huh. year in high school, I, I had a boyfriend, and he said, oh, no, you don't need to be a doctor. You need to be a transcriptionist. And I said, okay. <laughs> I know. Weird. So that was – when I looked back at that, I'm like, wait a minute. Why did I say okay? Yeah. That was my desire. Why did mm. I let somebody else tell me in my life what I should or shouldn't? So then I recognized that. So that just even naming mm. that um, desire that I had in my life triggered, okay, maybe this is a red flag. Maybe this is something that's significant that I need to explore. But just mm-hmm. put it in the list for right now. You can explore it later. But then um, desires that you've had in life like um, – uh, to have to be married, even or to have kids, or to to get a college degree, or to whatever your desires you've had in your life, make a list. It's going to be probably smaller than your milestone list, mm-hmm. but uh, write as many again as you can. If you can get to okay. ten, that'd be great, or more. Okay. So then, once you do that, the mm-hmm. third list you're going to make is a list of conflicts. So okay. you're going to say, okay. Uh, I've had a, in my life a conflict of um, money versus spirituality, Ooh. or uh, family versus work, okay. or things that have like um, whether they're resolved or not. They can be resolved, or they don't have to. But what are some conflicts that you have had in your life? Mm-hmm. And uh, that list is probably going to be smaller as well. Okay. And then, and all of these lists, just let them sit on the counter. Let them. Uh, percolate over the course of three or four days or even a week and um, keep adding to those lists. And then when you're ready in a week or two, take a look at those lists and see what events or what themes go across all three lists or at, you know, at least two of those lists. Do you see something mm-hmm. that's recurring, a recurring conflict or something that is a desire that's also been a conflict and also a significant milestone in your life that happened to relate to that? Huh. And um, when I did that, I realized that that's when I realized my life theme was not raising my hand. It, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, look look at this. This theme keeps coming up in my life, in my desires, in my conflicts, in my milestones. So there's something here. And so then I tell people, take one of your milestones that relates to that, something that's uh, in all three lists, if possible, if not two. Mm-hmm. And... Think of a moment in time, just one moment in time. doesn't have to be the worst moment in time or the best. It can be. Mm-hmm. Just take one moment in time and say, okay, um, what moment, what like minute, what hour, what minute uh, does that represent, represents mm-hmm. that, that particular milestone? Um, was it that time when you were in your grandmother's kitchen? And um, we're going to write about, just bullet point again, what did you see? What did you smell? What did you hear? What did mm-hmm. you taste? And what did you touch? Mm-hmm. So you're going to use your senses. And again, just writing a list, okay? Um, I was in my grandmother's kitchen. I smelled the fried chicken she was um, frying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I felt her hug when she hugged me and, uh, you know, her raspy apron scratched my cheek, um, the Formica countertop. So you're going to start Mm. putting those down. And what that does is when you start remembering some of those memories, Mm -hmm. more of them will come back. And so you want to just start writing and writing and writing a lot. And getting those details out because mm-hmm. you're in, you're going to enrich your writing when you do that. And then the another step, the next step is to write out, uh, do a free write. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take all of those details and you're going to start put a timer on for ten minutes at at the minimum ten minutes at first. Uh, most people can't write that long when they first start, but mm-hmm. write without lifting your pen off the paper. Write without lifting your hands off the keyboard. Just keep typing. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't have to make sense. Don't pay attention to grammar, punctuation, capitals, nothing. Don't pay attention to any of that. Just write what comes in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, can't think of anything else to write, write, I can't think of anything to write. <laughs> write Just your grocery list. Okay. Just keep writing. Because your brain is huh. throwing out junk. It's okay. It's throwing out junk and saying, not not going there yet, not going there yet. But you're telling it by writing, yes, we are. We're going to keep writing and writing until we get there. And you would not believe the golden nuggets that you will hmm. uncover. Your brain will then say, okay, here we go. Here, here's, mm-hmm. what, here's what this was all about. Mm-hmm. And you will gain a lot of insight into yourself, into the situation, um, and, mm-hmm. and so that's the fodder that you say, okay, I'm going to craft that into a beautiful story. But unless you get it out, you don't have anything to craft. Mm-hmm. If you just start and say, okay, I was at my grandmother's house and here's what happened, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That is not going to be a good story. You've got to get all of that junk out. Mm-hmm. Just, it, and some people call it vomiting on the page. You've got to get <laughs> it all out. And then you can take all of that stuff and... And boil it down to the most beautiful and most mm-hmm. important parts for that story. So when you're when you're looking at going through this process and, and writing these things out, is this a story that is intended to be shared publicly or published, or what's the goal, or is it different for different people? You know, you can have the goal ultimately, but this first one is just that ugly first draft. Mm-hmm. You don't ever, ever have to share it. You can if you want mm-hmm. to. Um, but you don't ever have to share this version with somebody. Um, in fact, most people do not. Most yeah. people clean it up before they send it to somebody else, and that and that's okay mm-hmm. either way. Yeah. You want to get the benefit of it, and this will benefit you. Then gotcha. once you um, work with somebody to craft it into a nice story, then you can mm-hmm. share it out. I do encourage people to share their stories okay. for a lot of reasons. Uh, most importantly, well, first of all, when somebody, when you share your story and somebody holds that story in without judgment, for instance, mm-hmm. in a writing group, I encourage people to go to writing groups. Something happens because somebody yeah. else, you have been become vulnerable. You've said, "Here's here's my story. Here's what's happened," and that vulnerability and somebody holding your heart, holding your story, mm-hmm. holding this in yeah. their hand, and saying. I get it. I get you. That's a beautiful story. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. Or that's a tragic story. Or I'm sorry that happened to you. Right. That is incredibly healing. So 
how how do you find that first group of people that you share something like that with? Because I know people who um, have either they don't want to share their story because they're afraid of the judgment that comes from certain people that you share something with. At some point, you will get those not so positive responses. I think you'll right. overwhelmingly get more positive ones. But how do you kind of protect that first time you share it and find a safe space of people who will hold it without judgment and go, I, I see this? That's a great question. I would say there are um, writing classes and writing meetups all over, uh, especially in the major cities, but they're also Mm -hmm. in smaller cities as well. Mm -hmm. There is nobody who can hold your story in their hands and uh, delicately as you will as as other writers. Gotcha. Um, As other memoir writers because Mm -hmm. they have their stories as well. Mm-hmm. So, like for me, when I every Friday I would bring you know a couple mm-hmm. of pages to my class, and they all had different things going on. You yeah, know, they didn't have tragedies, or some of them yeah. had something, but not similar. So we all, you know, mm-hmm. took in each other's stories and accepted them, and and then provided feedback for it. So I, I gotta ask, and I can't be the only one who's asked you this one or who has wondered when you started sharing some of those stories with this memoir group, did did they immediately realize it was nonfiction, it was actually your life, or did some of them kind of ask you, is, is this for real, is this fiction? I mean, did you get that question? No, I didn't get that question okay. because, it, I mean, it was a memoir, so it wasn't yeah. um, a fiction class. They, they, everybody brought true stories. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, at first I couldn't get through reading without crying. Yeah. And, um, and it was okay. And, you know, other people had this some similar reactions mm-hmm. for their stories, and so they would hand their paper to the next person over who would mm-hmm. finish reading it. And, oh, my gosh, I'm getting tears in my eyes just thinking about it because it's it's touching. When you can share that it with is. somebody else, uh, it really is touching, and then you are really connecting with other people. And they're in very supportive writing groups. Yeah. Go to meetup.com. There's almost always writer, writer groups there. Mm-hmm. Find somebody, some, find a, a memoir writer or nonfiction if you can. Creative mm-hmm. nonfiction, a lot of times it's called. And um, you'll find uh, other people who have stories they want to tell as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that had to be a very emotional moment the first time that you read something like that out loud um exactly yeah and i i can see where that would be something very transformative yeah to kind of just put it out there and acknowledge hey this is what happened from my perspective this is my life story Um, to be free to share that is a very powerful thing well the other thing too is i had to condense it I had to, you know, your that vomit on the page. You had to cut, bring it down into two pages, and that's what you could read. Mm-hmm. And so you're not vomiting uh, all over other people, right? <laughs> right. Where, you know, your friends or family are like, okay, yeah. I've heard this one before, or you know, how many more times are you going to go back to him? You know. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really important point for for those listening who are thinking about this process, and maybe you've even already mentally started those lists that uh, Stacy talked about. This is something that you do want to find an outside group, it sounds yes. like, to, to listen to. Because it is hard. When it's friends or family, they see you a certain way. They see your story a certain way. And they're well-made. it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, it is very difficult. Yeah. I used to, for, for my story, too, mm-hmm. I, would, I would call my mom 
mm-hmm. one night, one day, and tell her, okay, here's what's happened. And, you know, it, it just broke her heart. Yeah. Um, and I and I didn't want to continue, so I would the next night I would call my older sister, and the next night I call my younger sister, mm-hmm. and, and then you know, so you do have to share your story. But there are times when your friends are just like, okay, enough mm-hmm. of the tragic stories already, and this is a way to um, condense it, make it salient and very important mm-hmm. and then share it with another group. Um, mm-hmm. The other reason I, I always encourage people to share their stories, whether it's in, I mean, you, there are lots of other ways too. I really recommend a writing group. Mm-hmm. You can do a blog and on, they're practically free mm-hmm. to a blog. Um, you could do it in um, emails to yourself. You could um, just write it for yourself and, and save it for, um, you know, one of the main reasons I wrote was because my ex was saying, uh, w- w- spreading so many lies um, I was just unbelievable and I'm like I can't tell my kids yeah. they're you know seven and nine I can't say that's a lie so yeah. I, I wanted to write because I wanted to remember and let them know when they got older yeah. here's what really happened mm-hmm. And um, but the reason I, I say get it out there and share it with other people is because what if there's somebody going through or getting ready to go through what you have been through, wouldn't you want to help them and share with them your wisdom and your advice and um, what has happened to you so they can maybe get through that that learning curve faster. Maybe they can get to healing a lot faster. So um, there's something to that, you know, reaching back once you've been through something, reaching back and helping someone else who is just about to go through that. There is, and sometimes just knowing somebody else has been there where you are and they survived, even yeah. if there's not necessarily, I know a lot of people don't feel like they have all this brilliant wisdom to share, but just the fact that you're on the other side of it mm-hmm. and you lived through it, you've survived right. it, and you're still you're still here with us, that right. means so much to somebody who's in the middle of something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And then the other Mm -hmm. thing is, is psychologically, when you bottle things up, Mm -hmm. that is not good. You're not doing yourself good. You're not um, going to be able to be the best uh, parent you can be through this tough time. You're not Mm -hmm. going to be be able to be the best friend, spouse, or, um, you know, daughter, whatever it is, you're not going to be able to be your best self if you don't get it out if it's bottled up inside and it's 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 doing damage in there you just Mm -hmm. don't see it so i would highly recommend to dig into that so when you work with clients as they're going through this process do you find a lot of people kind of push back or or get stuck at various points it seems like this would be a difficult thing to go through yeah, it is difficult, um, and there are people who are like, mm, I'm good, or, uh, you know, that's that's fine, or, yeah, that's, and they they can't dig into that, mm-hmm. and they're just not ready, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't force something like that. You can only do it when mm-hmm. you're ready, mm-hmm. And uh, but I would encourage people to attempt, but to try to, mm-hmm. to you know, kind of poke and, and see yeah. what's there. Um, I can guarantee you there is so much relief. Mm-hmm. On the other side, there's so much joy. I mean, I, I, I thought I had a, a, you know, a decent life. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is my plight in life. This mm-hmm. is the best it's going to get. But when you're on the other side, mm-hmm. whoa, there is a huge 
amazing, beautiful life on the other side where full of um, true strength. So like I said, I was I thought I was strong staying in that awful marriage. I'm I'm tough. I can handle it. And really that was just fear. The the strong person digs into how in the world did I get here and how in the world do I get out? Mm. And that's the true yeah. where you can become truly resilient. Yeah. And um, and live a, a joyful life because it's out there. I don't care if you have no money, if you're homeless, if you are out on the streets, if you are um, about to lose your kids or if you've lost your kids. I mean, I was in danger of losing my kids there for a while because of the lies he was saying. I know there are really horrible circumstances. Start writing about them because mm-hmm. there is going to be a better day in the future. I love that. And, you know, I think each time we take another step towards getting that out, sharing it, even if it's a piece at a time, it does help you to to kind of make peace with those pieces of your story right. and, and look at it and go, okay, yeah, you know what, that did happen. And like you said, I'm on the other side of it now. Things are different. Yeah. And, and being able to look at it and realize how much you come through Right. really does empower you in a different way to, you know, rebuild your self-esteem and to come out the other side going, I actually am really strong that I've gotten through right. all of this. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, uh-huh. you can be more resilient person and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, don't let the shame prevent you from digging into that. I mean, I made the choice to get into this relationship. Mm-hmm. I made the choice not yeah. to hold up my hand and say, no, that's not right. I right. I let this go on for 10 years. Yes, I was, I mean, I, I tried to leave. Actually, I left four times and came back. There's a lot of shame with that. I'm like, why did I come back to something like that? Don't let that stop you. You have got to move forward. Um, so, yeah, there there is a beautiful life after that. It, it is hard because when we're looking back at things like that, we look at it and we see all the things that we wish we had done differently. But mm-hmm. at the time, I really believe most people are just doing the best we can figure out in the moment. Exactly. And there's got to be a little bit of, of grace that you give yourself. yourself. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the mean girl in our head. Just tell yeah. that mean girl to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about that, a friend pointed out to me a while back because I, we all have that that mean girl it's on repeat, you know, and yes. when we look at what we're actually saying to ourselves, we would never, ever say that to a friend or our daughter or our sister or anybody that we care about, yeah. and yet we say it to ourselves. I was just interviewing somebody for, I have an emotional abuse recovery and resilience online summit coming up, mm-hmm. and I was interviewing, oh my goodness, I forgot her name, but anyway, um, Diane Morris, okay. D-I-A-N-N-E, Diane mm-hmm. Morris um, Jones, Diane Morris mm-hmm. Jones. Anyway, she was she has this book, and she said it's this it's the stoplight method. Mm-hmm. So when you're noticing, stop and notice at every stoplight you stop at when you're driving or stop sign, whatever. Stop and say, what am I thinking right mm-hmm. now? What am I noticing? What am I telling myself as I'm driving the car? Whatever, stop. And if you're saying, oh, I should have, um, hmm. I shouldn't have locked my keys in the car, or I should have uh, saved more for yeah. this thing, this bill coming up, or I should mm-hmm. have, just stop. stop. Notice what's going on. Take a pause, mm-hmm. that yellow light, and then green is tell yourself something much better. 
say, I, um, mm. I'm doing the best I can. You know, I am, I am, I'm, I'm the best person that I can be right now. Mm. I am working on being uh, on time more often. You know, <laughs> I am working. I like on, that. So That's... you don't want to tell yourself a lie, say I'm the best person there ever was, but right. I am working on becoming a stronger mm. person. I'm working on sharing my voice more often. And, um, but you've got to stop and notice those. Otherwise, those thoughts go on in your head. Yeah. You don't notice them, but they're doing damage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a fascinating interview. I loved, loved that. Yeah, interview. it was great. I like that. That's that's a great way to kind of take things to a practical level. Of here's how you start to to change that recording that's playing right. in your head. I like that. I'm working on another one. I like is I choose to. Yeah. That makes me feel very in control of it and reminds me whatever it is that's going on in my head or whatever I've done that I'm I'm going. Oh, I should not have done that. I should have done this. I can choose to make a different decision. Exactly. That's, uh, that's right. a great way to look at it. Well, you mentioned your summit a couple of times here. So where do people go to find out more about that? If they're yeah. listening to this and they're going, okay, yeah, I have those things that have happened that I'd really like to be able to look at them differently to get past them. Maybe they even know that part of why they're struggling in life or business is their self-esteem got completely crushed and they're trying to figure out how do I get that back. So what's the best place for people to go to find out more about that? It is emotionalabusesummit.com. And the summit is for anybody who is in a tough relationship or Mm -hmm. have gotten out of a tough relationship as well as their friends and family members. So, you know, for instance, I was in a tough relationship and my friends and family members, I mean, my sisters, my mom, Mm -hmm. they recognized that, but they didn't know what to do to help mm-hmm. me yeah so uh this yeah. there are over 45 interviews wow. diving okay. deep into every little subtopic mm-hmm. of emotional abuse is it ab- abuse um you know how do you go through court yeah. with an abuser how do you mm-hmm. you know how do you recognize what happens how do you combat some of that um gaslighting and triangulation um, you know, how do you, what's the science of resilience? How do you become a more resilient person and, mm-hmm. and all different kinds of things? So there is something for everybody. It's at emotionalabusesummit.com and it's free September 1st to the 12th or anybody can purchase an all access pass at any time. So, awesome. so yeah, I would encourage people, even if it's later than that, to go in yeah. and take a look at it. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have somebody in mind who you know, is in this type of relationship or has come out of it and could use the support and the help and the guidance, send them to Stacy's website to find out more. They will appreciate it. Sometimes we need somebody else to kind of knock, knock, knock and say, hey, from the outside, you know, this is what it looks like to me. And you can you can let somebody know in a sensitive way of, you know, I might be reading this totally wrong, but just in case. Right. Because I think everybody who's been in a situation like that wishes somebody had noticed and wishes someone had taken the time to yeah. say, hey, we see this. Can we help you? Right. So if you know somebody or if you yourself are in that type of relationship, please do reach out to Stacy. Check out that website. You'll see links either uh, in the show notes if you're listening to this on iTunes, on the website, or near the video to where you can both find those recordings that she mentioned or catch them live uh, and links to connect with Stacy on social media and her website, which is stacybrookman.com. That's right. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so definitely take a minute because it may be one of the most important things that you ever do for yourself and for those you care about. 
Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That is absolutely true. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me about this. It's one of those things that too often just kind of stays in the shadows or under the rug. And the only way to heal from something like this really is to write your story out, to tell your story, and and to figure out how do you become more resilient and then take back control of your life. Absolutely. Even if you never intend to publish, but also if you do, if you have a yeah. crazy story to tell and, and maybe the world really needs to hear it, you can move, move all the way through that process and publish your book. This is just getting you started. So thank you, awesome. Michelle. This was wonderful. Thank you. I, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. All right. So, everybody, make sure you do connect with Stacy again. Links will be right near wherever you are listening to or watching this episode. And uh, be sure you rate, review, like the show wherever you are listening or watching at and tune in for the next episode.